You're listening to The Right Women Podcast, a platform created for Black Caribbean female writers and authors who audio scribe their origin stories and their journeys to authorship. I'm your host and storyteller, Empress Zynga. Chapter 7, Linda M. Dean. Linda M. Dean is a British Barbadian poet, essayist, editor, and publisher. She's also a creative writing tutor and mentor for The Summer Storyteller. Graduate of the University of Warwick's Comparative American Studies program, she also has over 30 years experience as a journalist in Barbados and in the UK and is the co-founding director of Arts Etc. Inc. Hi guys, welcome to this week's podcast episode. This is with Linda Dean of Arts at Sahara here in Barbados, an amazing writer, award-winning, and co-editor of Arts at Sahara magazine. So what's up? Hey, Keisha, <laughs> I'm fine. Thank you very much for inviting me. Uh, I I'm very excited to have this conversation because I don't think I've ever interviewed you before. Mm-hmm. So this is this is gonna be for all the the bells and whistles. <laughs> <laughs> so for those who are listening who may not know of Linda Dean, tell us a little bit about how you became a right woman. A right woman. Okay. <laughs> um, my parents are to blame, basically. <laughs> my parents are to blame. Uh, they filled the house with books when I was growing up. Mm-hmm. Me, me and my sister, when we were growing up, there were always books in the house. Mm-hmm. We were just encouraged to read. Not necessarily that my parents were readers in that mm-hmm. way or writers at all, but there were always books. We went to the library. Mm-hmm. And when I began to show this interest in writing mm-hmm. and writing poetry, mm-hmm. they said, ah, let's go and get the girl a poetry book. Oh. Yes. Um, You're lucky. Yeah. <laughs> we were living in a town in England in, um, at, at the time. I can't remember the name of the, the, the town, but they went to the local newsagents, mm-hmm. um, like a, a high street store. Okay. Change, okay. And, and they came back with a book of selected poems by T.S. Eliot. Wow. They didn't know. They didn't know. <laughs> they had no idea. They had no idea. <laughs> that was cruelty to children. <laughs> But that was like, so I was reading that and taking in words, but not knowing what I was not understanding, Mm -hmm. but still sensing this rhythm Mm -hmm. and language and music in there and also difficulty. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, And that was basically the start. I was eight. Wow. Yeah. T.S. Eliot at eight years old. Mm. <laughs> I'm still trying to get to the bottom of that <laughs> collection, I tell you. Well, even even your first experience at eight years old, um, you work with children a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, you have been doing a lot of work with children, whether it is one-on-one tutoring, mm-hmm. whether it is, uh, my, my favorite phrase you use now, the summer storyteller. That is me. <laughs> Um, or even in arts, etc. But the one that I, I want to start with is the Lit Festival, Literary Arts Festival that you did here a couple of years ago. Yes. How was that for you in terms of trying to get children to be a part of a literary arts festival? Because, you know, they say nowadays that children don't read. Children mm. are not interested in reading. How do I get my child interested in book reading? 
Um, we had an interesting conversation with Karen Lord. So mm-hmm. if if this podcast is up already, you can go and listen to what her comments were okay, in terms of that. <laughs> but um, how how do you or how did you get that on its feet? Well, the li- the BIM Literary Festival mm-hmm. and Book Fair. Yeah, that was the brainchild of our you know our yes. poet laureate yes. Esther Phillips. Yes, Barbados's first poet laureate. Yes. And uh, she had that idea. It came out of the group that we're in, mm. Writers Inc. Mm-hmm. And she said, this is what she wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Other members wanted to do other things. Okay. I knew that I simply wanted to work with children. Mm-hmm. And so I said, no matter what we do, whether we do a radio show or whether we uh, bring out publications mm-hmm. or if we do a festival, because mm-hmm. uh, we all had these different ideas. I said, no matter what we choose to do, mm-hmm. I want to work with children. So if we're doing the fair, if mm-hmm. we're doing the festival, yeah. Um, let me have a children's arm for this. And okay. she said, all right, Linda. So I was able to team up with um, the Barbados Association of Reading mm. and various schools mm-hmm. and put the word out there. Mm-hmm. And I know many children would say that they prefer to be out playing a game, a video game, watching TV or Mm. anything rather than reading. Mm -hmm. So I realized that when I was going into the schools to tell them about the fair or just as a creative writing instructor, Mm. I realized in a way that I had to be my own (laughs) audiovisual, right? Because I don't don't take audiovisuals into the schools with me. I I challenge myself to be my own Mm audiovisual. And sometimes you... And then tech happens too, so you never know. Yeah, you know? (laughs) So you have to be... I don't want to say larger than life. Sometimes you, you, you do need that big energy mm-hmm. and that imagination. You have to walk with what I call a toolkit mm-hmm. of poetry and prose that's going to grab that child's imagination. Mm. Um, so there, there are poems that I've had in my toolkit for like 20 years. Wow. Right? And I walk with, and if I can, I can get a child's eyes to just pop wide open or mm-hmm. for that child to ask a question mm-hmm. or say I want to do that I want to dress up like the character in that book yeah or I want to perform that poem on stage mm-hmm. or I want to sit in a circle with a storyteller and be amazed yes and that's how I was able to you know bring the children in they were really excited about the idea of dressing up mm-hmm. as their favorite literary characters mm-hmm. and that chance to be on stage too that so was beautiful that was, that was half the battle <laughs> in terms of getting funding because i i was a part um one year mm-hmm. i think it was two years ago three years maybe it was 2016 yeah yeah, yeah about three years ago yeah. um it it was big it really was larger than life um you encourage tutors and presenters to dress up and have fun and then you had other caribbean authors as well like being injected in between um, some of the presentations, yes. what were some of the challenges you found um, within getting them here and, and bringing that culture here? Right. Um, well, funding was all, always, uh, mm. is always the hurdle, but we were very lucky to work with the Maria Holder okay. uh, Foundation, Memorial Foundation, mm-hmm. And they sponsored us for three festivals, and because it was every other year, yeah. So we had, well, I call it six six years worth of funding from them. But the way that they operate is that they feel that if you they've, you know, helped you, assisted you for three events mm-hmm. or for three years, um, then you're on your own. You should have grown enough, so you're on your own. Yeah. Um, 
that they enabled us to bring in, um, I think the first year we had Dorothea Smart. Yes. Um, that was for the first festival. So she came in and officially opened the children's uh, fair mm-hmm. for that. I think the second year, oh, Verna, Verna Wilkins, who is the publisher of Tamron Books, yeah. <laughs> published the most amazing books for black children, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so she was uh, the guest at the... The, s- the second festival mm-hmm. uh, for the Children's Fair, and then the third year it was Aziko, yes, Simba Gagili mm-hmm. from Jamaica, yes, right. And uh, her she book's was awesome. We're oh gonna have her on the podcast, I swear. Absolutely, <laughs> and that that book that she wrote all over again, yes, you know, yeah, she just becomes this eleven-year-old boy. It's a, yeah. a story told in chapters. Well, uh, each chapter Only that delves into and. You know, a Only segment of his life. I thought it was phenomenal to read a book like that too, because it was. M- I usually read from the I, you know, right. narrative. Mm-hmm. Um, I am doing this. I am doing that. But she kept it from you, and there was a level of empathy yes. that you were brought into because you're literally walking in this person's shoes as they go through their different challenges and so on. And I thought it was beautifully written. It was, and cleverly written. I would actually argue that it was more for adults, you know. I think it was actually (laughs) more for adults than, say, for um, 11-year-olds or Mm. 13-year-olds, although I have read it. Mm -hmm. Um, I went to, which school was it? Was it Westbury Primary? Probably. I think so. And I I read the section there. There was one where he... um, he compares life to lemonade or something, yeah. or something <laughs> like that. And he's this battle with his little sister. Mm-hmm. And I read it to them, and to their credit, mm-hmm. and these and these were little ones. These, wow. these were seven to nine-year-olds. They oh, sat wow. and listened, yeah. They sat and listened. And so I was amazed. But I actually do feel that adults get more joy from that book. than Maybe, because they did. I, I got a lot of joy. I, uh, it's it's one of my favorite books that I have read. Um, in a very very long time it's, it's a really good Empress Zynga favorite I love <laughs> I love that book um, now as we we continue on in terms of business sense and business esque mm-hmm. you are running a full company arts etc mm-hmm. with uh, Robert Sandiford your co-editor That's right. how has that journey been I've heard some stories off air <laughs> but in terms of running a entities such as that how did it all start what were some of the things that you have learnt mm. um, <laughs> being <laughs> an editor of a, of a whole magazine and a publication what were some of the things that you've learnt where to start oh my <laughs> goodness I don't know um, if you know uh, it's about um, a week ago mm. Yeah, today's Monday yes. so a week ago the, the funeral mm. of Harold Hoyt yes. um, took place he was my first real boss He's a big boss. Big boss. (laughs) I um, I had some difficulty writing Mm -hmm. my tribute, but finally went up online last night. Mm. And in it, I talk about how I arrived because I was born and and grew up in England. Mm -hmm. Um, I was in Barbados in 1981. Oh wow! As an 18-year-old, I was born. Really. I was 18 years old, woke up a morning, and we were getting ready to go to the beach, mm-hmm. and there was a delay. Somebody wasn't ready, so I was just hanging. I picked up the, the Nation newspaper that was hanging around, opened it, and saw an ad mm-hmm. asking for 
trainee journalists, people to yes. apply for this trainee journalism course. My family went back to England without me mm-hmm. and left me in Barbados to wow. be a part of that training course. That is how I met Harold Hoyt. My first proper job was with The Nation. Mm-hmm. And it was there that I met Robert. Yes. Right. So the second time around that I actually worked there, that's when I met Robert. And I will say this, we were operating arts, etc., from the top end of Harold Hoyt's newsroom for at least two years wow. before we went independent and solo. Wow. Yes. So how was <laughs> it working for Harold Hoyt? <laughs> what, what was that like? Well, I think he, he knew what we were doing and he gave us like maybe a silent, like a tacit support. Mm-hmm. What it was, the, I, don't, I don't know if you remember, there used to be uh, a magazine in the Sunday paper yeah. called Sunshine. Yes, before yes. it became easy. Yes, Sunshine magazine. yes, I remember. So um, I was magazine's editor. Okay. For about three years, I actually edited that magazine for a while. Mm-hmm. And when Robert joined the nation and I realized that he had a literary uh, background, mm-hmm. he was like assistant literary arts editor. Mm-hmm. That was my, f- I wanted more arts and culture in that Sunday magazine. Okay, so and that's slowly, where you hooked him yes, in. <laughs> yeah. And we, s- we would um, devote more and more of that Sunday magazine to arts and culture and mm-hmm. specifically literary arts. Mm-hmm. Naila. Yes. Was a columnist at The Nation. I remember too. And so she had her literary column Mm -hmm. in Sunshine magazine. It was part of that whole push. Wow. So we were testing, testing ground, seeing what would interest people, what we could get away with, Mm -hmm. because it was a a mainstream Mm -hmm. publication, Mm -hmm. right? Um, not everybody really wants to read about arts and culture, not necessarily in this this Barbadian environment. Mm -hmm. Some people will argue that Perhaps we are not, we we don't have that intellectual mm-hmm. bent or that real interest mm-hmm. in arts mm-hmm. and culture. Not really at that at that level. But we test drove it, mm-hmm. and then um, early two thousands, mm-hmm. Robert left the nation. I left the nation shortly afterwards, wow. and I said, "Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> let's, let's do it for real. Let's see if we can track." down advertising and we did Mm -hmm. we beat the pavement we got um advertising sponsorship we teamed up with the national art gallery committee that was our major sponsor Mm -hmm. and we brought out this arts and cultural newsletter called arts etc um full color glossy yeah hard hard print um hard hard copy Mm -hmm. we ran that for five years we didn't plan to do it for four wow we brought out 25 issues Mm -hmm. and then we went online and uh, we realized uh, as part of that journey that we wanted to get into actual book publication. Okay. So, yeah. What were some of the facets? Like, who did you meet on this journey of arts, etc.? Who were some of the people you got to publish on this said digital website? Mm. How, how, how has their work impacted arts, etc.? What I love about what Robert and I do is it, it's, it's very organic, right? Um, like for instance in 2007 I think it was we brought out um, a cricket anthology Shouts from the Outfield yes I remember right yes we we launched it not far from here at the Spirit Bond Mm -hmm. and how that came about we were sitting at the Waterfront Cafe and we were planning the next issue of this of the hard copy arts etc and we were trying to remember the name of a piece of writing by James Carmichael, okay. Barbadian writer, speculative fiction writer, mm-hmm. but who had also written about cricket. Mm-hmm. 
and we're saying, why, why aren't all the, you know, the story, short stories and um, essays, where, where's there no collection of cricket writing outside mm. of journalistic yeah. cricket writing? Why can't we go to a bookshelf and put our hand on this book? Why is this book not being produced yet? Yes. And he looked at me, I looked at him and we said, yeah, we're going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> now, Robert is from Canada. Yes. The sport he grew up with is hockey, as in ice hockey. Yeah. Um, he didn't know a great deal about cricket. Mm-hmm. I grew up track and field no and uh tennis okay i I was actually a a sprinter um i love cricket um as i learned it from my parents Mm -hmm. and from being in west indian communities Mm -hmm. wherever we lived in the world Mm -hmm. and going to cricket matches Mm -hmm. didn't understand one thing about cricket (laughs) not one thing (laughs) but i love it in my heart Mm -hmm. um what it stands for it's history yeah it's the social import of it Mm -hmm. you know and so we decided to draw people around us who could help us. Okay. And um, those some people included people like Tony Kosher. Yes. Yeah. Um, Eichel Tafari. Mm-hmm. We, we, we brought an Adonijah. Wow. Um, and we ended up with a team of 22, like two, we, we fielded two, two cricket teams. Wow. So we ended up with 22 essays or short stories or poems about beautiful. cricket. I remember right. that, yeah. And that that was a that was a huge experience. Shots from the outfield. Yeah, yeah, I remember yeah, that. Yeah. Um, and then just other other writers that were very happy that I think, I think I stand uh, uh, correction, but I think we were the first people to publish Shakira Bourne. Really? Yes. She had a this really edgy, uncomfortable short story calling called "Getting Married." I remember. Right. As and one of one of. I guess if you would say, if you like a Shakira born piece, I think that is one of the go-to pieces that people remember whenever there was an event or if there was like a, a small production for literary arts in the humble section, as they call it, <laughs> um, that people would put up for literary arts and they had any contemporary artists and Shakira's name was on the list, they usually go for Getting, Getting Married. married. Okay. And it is so cute. And at the same time, it's I don't want to give away, but it is cute because it is, once again, the perspective of a the child. child yeah. But when you catch on to actually what is happening, you're like, oh, shoot. This not ha- so cute. It's not so cute. <laughs> <laughs> it's not so cute anymore. But you know how Shakira, with her writing, just takes... It just makes us feel uncomfortable. Yes. She has a knack for it. It's a gift. Yes. You know, she's, you know, forcing us to, to think and rethink. And this whole sweeping out from under carpets... She does that so well. Yeah. So we, we published this uh, short the short story. Mm-hmm. And then I think Karen Lord yes. took notice of that story. Mm-hmm. And then things just started to pick up mm-hmm. and run. And I'm so happy for, for Shakira's success. Mm-hmm. Amaz- amazing success. Mm-hmm. Um, earlier, you and I were talking about Sherry, yes. Sherry S. Jones. Yes. Um, we we published oh this is going back to when robert and i were still at the nation wow we published her as part of you know a short story of hers appeared in that sunshine magazine mm. right so this that is early 2000s something from me <laughs> so i could get big <laughs> publish something from me i have tons Submit because we've published DJ, we've published your husband. Yes and he right. has three books so we're waiting on you now we are waiting on you but uh, Robert and I were having this conversation and looking back, and there's, and there's some others as well, mm-hmm. you know. Um, we said, wait, 
publish this person I th- Heather, Heather Heather Barker mm-hmm. as well we, we've been watching her very closely and mm. also as our work as editors mm. right through our, through, through our work as editors mm. so um, there are a number of Barbadian writers that would have come to come to us mm. and then we see the success either at competition mm-hmm. whether it's NIFCA or the Frank Colomore Awards yes. or through publication mm-hmm. um or, or competition further afield and mm. you know ecstatic ecstatic for them yeah, I'm happy for yeah. them I just ask that they remember us I say yeah <laughs> and Don Robert yeah they gave me that foot in at the door <laughs> yeah, shout us out from time to time yeah. yes <laughs> in all of your work what have been some of the techniques you find um, in terms of getting children to read I think that's like one of the biggest questions mm. parents and caregivers have been taking care of children how do i get my child to start watching tv or playing video games and just immerse themselves in the literature mm. habit it's just it's just got to be a habit if you make a habit of reading to your child you, you can't you can't do it every night because we're all busy people yeah everybody works mums work we don't have the family network like we used to where you've mm-hmm. got a gran or an auntie close by yeah. you can't depend on that sometimes the gran is out there partying as well <laughs> you know and with the mummies and everything so who is going to read to the to the children um in 2015 i think it was um we started a program this is arts etc started a program called read to me mm-hmm. and Basically, we were going into schools and working with whatever the school, whatever books were on the school's curriculum. Mm -hmm. So we would make ourselves uh, available, uh, Robert, myself, and a team of other um, tutors and readers would make ourselves available to those teachers and say, okay, um, you are teaching Huckleberry Finn to Mm -hmm. your class twos Mm -hmm. or Charlotte's Web to your Mm -hmm. class ones. We will you know, be part, we, we will be a resident at your school for six weeks, yeah. eight weeks, and read, read that particular book mm. to your children, to your pupils, and we'll read it in the round. Mm. So I find I would go, I, would, I hate desks, I hate <laughs> desks in rows, yeah. you know? So when I, I normally ask for a non-classroom type Setting, yeah, mm-hmm. setting, and I arrange those chairs in a semicircle, mm-hmm. circle or whatever. We sit on the floor. I bring my storyteller mat. Yeah. Children, if you want to lie on the floor, curl up with a yes. cushion, you can do that. Yeah. You know, if you want to stand up in the corner, you can do that. Mm-hmm. You know, if you want to color yeah. while I'm reading, you can do that. Yeah. Um, as long as you do lend me your ears and make them elephant-like, yeah. you know. So, mm-hmm. um, I remember I went into St Margaret's Primary. That's all the way in St John. Wow. Six weeks. Country. I went every Wednesday and I read those those two books, Huckleberry Finn and Charlotte's Web. Mm-hmm. And we would take turns so everybody would read a page and then you pass the book along. You have your strong readers, mm-hmm. you have your weaker readers. And I tried to say to the stronger readers, This is a chance now for you to grow your patience. Yeah. Um help if somebody is stumbling over a word yeah, help assist, them with a yeah. assist do not laugh at them mm-hmm. you know don't start to talk over them because you feel you can't hear yeah you know this is a chance for you to grow um as and as a teacher you become teachers too yeah and <laughs> they they would say what I'd say, yeah, be a teacher mm. you know um we had so much fun and because we linked the reading of those books and the discussion mm-hmm. to writing so for me the reading and the writing always go hand in hand yeah so I had some writing exercises um, 
uh, there's a, a poetic form called synquane, mm -hmm. which helps with parts of speech. Yeah. You know, and uh, um, it the children get to write poetry, but they're also testing out their so their yeah. verbs, their adjectives, their nouns, how to write a complete and wonderful sentence, <laughs> synonyms and so forth. So I said, okay, we're going to write a synquane about Huckleberry. Okay. And we're going to write a synquane about this pig that you love so much in, Char <laughs> in Charlotte's Web. Yeah. And I was amazed. That, okay, the line, for instance, where you have to choose three adjectives to describe whatever you're writing about. These children with so much passion, mm. arguing over what adjective or which adjective to describe this pig or which adjective to describe Huckleberry Finn. Mm. They were so engaged and it got really passionate. No, he's, he, I, I want to say he's smart. No, I want to <laughs> say he's adventurous and we're going to meet in the middle somewhere. Um, so no, so patience and immersion yes. is, is a, a really good way to get children into reading because once their imagination is Fired clicked on yep. mm -hmm. like you can't get them to stop you actually to stop. Yeah. <laughs> they just come with all of these new ideas yes. and then they debate with each other which idea is best and why um, yeah, exactly. which is even better because then it, it, it improves critical thinking it improves critical thinking you know if you can really engage them so they feel invested mm -hmm. in what they're reading yes um but that, that is a battle. I mean, in 2010, I think when Mark Jason Welch was the cultural officer. Yes, for literary arts. Yeah, mm -hmm. for literary arts. Who tell him, send me into Leicester Vaughan? <laughs> I deal with primary school children. He said, oh, Linda, you'll be fine. He sent me up to Leicester Vaughan. Um, and uh, we, I, I had a similar Mm -hmm. Similar experience there, um, engaging with those children. They were reading... Oh gosh, it was it was this book and the th third formers. I think it was Shane. Is it a book called Shane? Yes, yes. Oh my gosh, a Western. It's yes, like a Western. Right? I remember a that. It's such a heartbreaking story at the end. It is no a spoiler. heartbreaking story. No spoilers. But they were having a hard time with the text, mm. so I had to read it in a hurry because I'd never read it. Oh. Right? So I read it in a hurry and I said, "But wait, there's enough soap opera in this." Yes, thing? yeah. Because basically, it's, it's uh, you've you've got the ch the story from the child's mm -hmm. point of view. But you've got the two the two men and the women. It's yeah. a triangle going on there. Yeah, a hot a hot mess. It's a hot mess. <laughs> I said, so how many of you watch Days of Days of Our Lives? And so hands went up. You know, yeah. whatever the soap operas they would watch. You do know this is a soap opera. Look at it from that point of view. Mm -hmm. And I read out loud to them some of the the bar. You know, the f amazing fight yeah, scenes in yeah, the bar. Yeah. Right. And. Um, in a way, sometimes it's how the material is read as well. Mm -hmm. Just getting the child to think about the material differently, yeah. become invested. Yeah, just giving them a different perspective yeah. on what is happening. Mm. Now, you've also mentioned um, awards early up, <laughs> and you have won quite a few. Mm. And this particular one that I'm, I'm going to mention is the Governor General's Award that you won at your NIFCA, uh, for the NIFCA well, we call it the National Independence Festival of Creative Arts here in Barbados, and it's hosted by the National Cultural Foundation, NCF. Mm -hmm. How did you feel? Because you know it's a surprise <laughs> until they, like, they don't tell nobody nothing. No. You get all dressed up to go to the event, and it's only when your name is called that you realize what it is that you have actually won. So mm. it could have been any prize, but this is the top award or one of the, the top awards 
Awards for Literary Arts in Barbados. When your name was called, how did you feel? You wanted to like just jump in the air and skyrate? Listen, I you, you, you know when you watch the Grammys or the Oscars yes. and people know they're going to win, right? They're at the table and they know that they've been shortlisted or whatever. But then you see this surprise. Mm-hmm. You never know whether it's real or fake. <laughs> At that, uh, well, that was 2017, yeah. that, that Nifka thing, when I won the um, Governor General, I didn't, honestly did not know. I thought Kerry. Kerry, Kerry Belgrave. Belgrave. I got it. I really did. So I was, <laughs> my mouth actually fell open, all right? And I was just stunned. I was, I really, really was stunned. I knew that I'd uh, won gold, mm-hmm. right? I'd won, I won gold. Um, and as for the essays... I'm, I'm working on I'm working on essays, uh, but I'd also submitted children's material, mm-hmm. so I was I was gobsmacked. I really <laughs> was. And when we were getting ready to go there, um, I actually had a little fashion argument with my daughter. <laughs> <laughs> my daughter is seriously into styling yes. and everything. She's now 17. Um, wow. She says, "Mummy, wear this. Wear this necklace." So no, 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 no. no. It's, it's too bright and shiny and shimmery. I just want to wear my, my my wooden beads. Thank you very much. <laughs> she said, "Hmm." I feel that she might. Yeah, have she, probably she, know. Well, she probably not. They're trying knew. to nudge you. She's trying to nudge <laughs> me to dress up just a little bit. Mm-hmm. But um, I felt, oh, I don't know. I was say it was it, w- it was my first time entering Nifka. Are as you well. serious? Serious. I've been um, after all this time. After all this time. I'd never Why? entered Nifka before. Um, I think because I got roped into being a judge before I ever thought ah, about entering Nifka. Okay. And I was a, a Nifka judge for maybe five years. Mm-hmm. And then I, w- I stopped being a Nifka judge for another five years. And okay. I said, okay, Linda, <laughs> just, uh, just enter. And I'd, I'd, uh, I was writing these essays, trying to work through some themes to do with migration mm-hmm. and memory mm-hmm. and my mother as mm-hmm. well. And I said, okay, let's test drive these. And mm-hmm. I submitted them. And uh, I was I was just pleased. I was amazed. I, it was gratifying because I said, okay, I am on the right track. Mm-hmm. I can tell my stories not only in poetry mm-hmm. or in, uh, you know, uh, stories for children, but I can tell a story in via essay as well. Yes. I'm trying to work through that, that essay form. And what is an essay? Mm-hmm. What is not an essay? Yeah. You know? Can I break the mold of what an essay is or is not? You know, um, so I was I was pleased. That is very special to mm, me. Mm-hmm. That 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 Governor General's Award. And what I do want to add is that it was also my first time ever entering um, young writers, my junior writers. My, um, I was mentoring some junior writers. Mm-hmm. Um, the youngest one was maybe about eight or nine, and the oldest one was. 15 or wow right and then there was another another older one who's now 21 mm. so um i'd been mentoring them and they entered for the first time <laughs> too and they meddled so <laughs> i was it was a great year it was it was a great Beautiful. night it was yeah i remember that it was all full of tears and joy i was like oh joy. look at linda <laughs> and then well what also blew me away was seeing you and Nick and DJ ah. and is it is it Caroline? Yes, Caroline. On stage yes. performing some of my children's work. Yeah, that so was fun. That was awesome. I I thoroughly enjoyed that. That that's one of my highlights. There are going to be a few people 
this is to the audience that <laughs> I have performed some of their work um, on stage for mm. them and it wasn't just like a cold read in front of a, a microphone it was I was dressed up as a yes. child and was dancing and there were Oh, it was great. I, I, and it was Linda Dean's work, you know, like she, she knows how to put life on paper for children and does it in such a way that it's connected, especially in terms of poetry, which is like super hard. Mm. You might get a child with prose because, you know, they, they can, they can read that and they can understand that. But then sometimes when certain types of poetry is written that I found and what was told to me from teaching, they right. like they think that poetry is hard to understand, mm. that maybe some of the terms are a little ambiguous because it's still an adult, but they're writing for children. And sometimes as writers and authors, we forget that we are writing for our children. children. We, we have to keep it simple. Yes. So sometimes you have to go over some of the poetry for children. But I find that with Linda's work, it's not as hard to get that idea across to them if you're talking about ice cream on a hot day it's <laughs> going to be fun the ice cream is going to have a whole persona and it is going to be melting in some form of a dance and the rhythm of the ice cream cone is going to be crackling in their teeth and it turns into something really really fun this is it if i'm not having fun you know i am i get that I should be having fun. There's two rules for me as a poet. Yes. Tell a story, have fun. Mm. That's it. In terms of the contribution for... And now, let's take a listen to one of Linda's children's poems, Dancing She Was, She Was. Tell me, tell me, did you see a mystery dancing by that smiled and waved just like a queen, so regal she was, she was. With beads and shells of gold and red, midnight all around her head, starry eyes and glittery skin, exactly the shade of cinnamon. Her robes were the sky and the ocean's waves, and as she danced, she laughed, and it sounded like rain with the sun sparkling through, so fiery she looked but very kind too, like a mum who would always bake cookies for you, and lovely she was, she was. And she danced as if, twirling inside her, were ballerinas and swirling stick fighters, moonwalkers and fire dancers, acrobats and water dancers, capoeiras from Brazil, tap dancers with speed and skill, drum majors and drum majorettes with crunky, funky hip-hop steps, jitterbugs and lindy hoppers, jazzy, prancing, backstreet boppers, break dancers, flamingo dancers, rumba, samba, tango dancers, a landship crew, a mother Sally, and guess what? Me too. All of us heeding the call of the drum, we had no choice but to string along. If only, if only you had seen this mystery chancing by, laughing and lovely as a dream, and dancing she was, she was. What are some of the techniques you have observed over the years that could be implemented to their work to get that connection from children? Oh, um, so I'm learning on the job as well. Mm -hmm. um, the Summer Storyteller Program, um, which combines storytelling but also writing. Yeah. I've realized that, that, again, going back to that classroom, that formal classroom setting does not work for me. Mm -hmm. So what I started again in 2015 was reading to children in an open-air setting. Mm -hmm. And I remember... 
it was at the rural festival. It was in the Glebe, uh, St. George, you know, where St. George yes, Parish Church yes. is. So it was a festival there. And I remember I'd set up storytelling tent there with Theo Williams mm-hmm. and Sarah Venable. Yes. And we put up our storytellers sign, you know, have stories, we'll tell, kind of thing. And we weren't having many takers. So I went around with a sign. I went around to, you know, uh, people who were sitting and waiting and uh, elsewhere. And um, I saw um, a woman, a mother with, with two with two girls, about nine, ten years okay, old. Okay, okay. And they said, oh, well, they're actually waiting for the jumping tent to go up. Uh, but we'll come across. <laughs> right. So eventually she brought them across. Mm-hmm. And she said, "Okay, when the jumping tent goes up, I'll come. I'll come and get you." And they said, "Okay." They, they were cousins. They, mm-hmm. were two, they were two cousins. And Sarah and I read to them, mm-hmm. and then we got them to design masks, mm-hmm. like color the masks mm-hmm. and write so that whatever words, whatever their response to what it was that we read, mm-hmm. they came up with a one-liner, mm-hmm. a, a rhyme or mm-hmm. something, and that was part of the design that went on the mask. Nice. And then, you know, I put, I attached the straws to them and they were masquerading. Mm-hmm. The jumping castle went up <laughs> and they did not notice. <laughs> the mother came back and said, girls, the jumping castle is up. They looked at the tent, looked at Sarah and me, and they stayed with us. Aww. And my heart melted. <laughs> I said, <"Yew!" laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. W- um, I had some other sign-ups mm-hmm. as a result of that. And that mother said, Linda, I would pay for this. Mm. And that's how the Summer Storyteller program began. And uh. um, later that year, so that was in April, in uh, October, November, mm-hmm. I had a group of five or six children, mm-hmm. and we went on a tour of Bridgetown. Um, another time we went, on a, we went on a tour of the National Heroes Gallery, mm-hmm. Parliament. We went to Garrison on race day. Oh, nice. Right. Um, and then we would just write from that experience. So they've immersed themselves in that mm-hmm. experience. Um, I give them the basics. This is this is how you write a synquain. This is how you write a haiku. Mm-hmm. This is how you might want to write a funny story or just jot down your thoughts as a shopping list. Mm-hmm. Rearrange your shopping list. But you've had that experience. You've lived mm-hmm. it. Yes. Now put your experience into that poem. Yeah. Or write it so it can fit on a mask. Yes. You know. And <laughs> to put on a mask. Yes, a poem on a mask. We do it. We do it all the time, you know. As I write the words on the inside of the mask, so that they can read it as they're wearing <laughs> it, and they become their own artwork in yeah. a way. They become the poem because they created it. They created. They've lived it. Mm-hmm. And they've created. It. And I said, okay, whatever lessons you can take from this, when you now go into school, you have to write that composition yeah. for your teacher. Remember how you felt doing this. Remember how we learn how to map your ideas, how to organize your ideas, mm-hmm. um, how to write out your draft, how to spell check, how to have you really said exactly everything you mean to say. Yeah. Um, how, you know, your dictionary, whatever. Um, how does it sound when you say it out loud to yourself? So I hope that they are able to take those lessons back into the classroom, just mm-hmm. make things easier. So in terms of getting published, I've, <laughs> I've been asking this to every person, um, on the podcast thus far and probably beyond because there are people out there who are trying to get published in one form or another and we touched on it earlier in terms of self-publishing and the amount of work that self-publishing is because people feel that just because you get self-published that is it like Mm. full stop there's not a lot of work in it but or they use it as a last resort because the official publishing house um, may reject them or they Mm -hmm. might think the feat is too big 
how do you think one should be published as a writer should you go the self-publishing route or should you just try to walk away at trying to get a publisher house to pay you attention (laughs) i would say attack it from all angles okay right um self-publishing is a great way to to get that piece of work out there that you can then use as a calling card Mm -hmm. you can use to attract attention Mm -hmm. to publicize yourself to help you on your on your platform but this is a huge but if you are going to go that self-publishing route yeah whether it's the first book or the second book or whatever you have to be as rigorous rigorous even more so right and making sure that thing that book is a thing of beauty mm. is a thing of quality yeah right um i don't i don't know if i can say this but you know i've said it in workshops before <laughs> do not leave shit on the landscape <laughs> if you're going to put out a book you find yourself an editor. You're going to invest in the time it took to write it. Yeah. You need a bit more investment. And that's not only money, but time, energy, patience, and the willingness, the spirit mm. to um, engage with an editor. Yeah. Trust that editor. Be willing to listen to that editor. Mm. You don't have to accept everything an editor tells you, mm. but you have to be open. Um, <sighs> uh, too many, I hate to say it, but too many writers, in Barbados at least, um, just rush to print. Yeah. I won't even say publish. They just rush to print. They have access to Amazon and yep. these print on demands and so forth and e-publishing. And I think, hey, I can do it. Or I can just send, I can have a, a, a good friend or a, a, t- a friend who is a teacher. Yeah. Look at this. And that is good. Always have a teacher, mm-hmm. an English teacher, or a language arts teacher, look at your book. But a language arts teacher is still not an editor. Mm-hmm. And you, you, you do need the that whole editing process Mm. and there are levels and types and stages of editing as well yeah right you need your technical editors your line editors Mm. um somebody who will help you with structure Mm. are you telling this story or presenting these poems in the best way possible Mm -hmm. um do you have a story here like my own editor Mm -hmm. is my business partner robert edison sanderford (laughs) is linda m dean's (laughs) editor and so the the collection that I won uh, colleagues with back in 2005. Wow. Right, that's about, and I'm still, I'm still not published yet. He took that, it won first place, mm-hmm. first prize. And I said, great, I'm gonna send it out, get it published. He, he looks at it and he said, Linda, there's just a collection of poems. You have a story here. Mm-hmm. You need to revamp so these poems tell a story. Mm. And <clears throat> how long ago is that? Is that 15 years? Yeah. About that. Right, I finally got it to tell a story. So now I am hoping, 15 years on from winning that prize, that this collection of poems, which is about the blues, the blues as a live entity, mm-hmm. it, it will be published next year. Ah! Yes! Knock, knock on wood. Kind of wood <laughs> <man>. <laughs> um, but I, I've listened to his, his um, advice. And I'm not saying that everybody should take as long to publish as I have. Mm-hmm. But certainly you need longer than five minutes. Yeah, right? yeah, definitely. Yeah, and test drive your material. You, you, may, you may be writing, 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 writing. You may, may even have that collection. Take three to five poems. Mm-hmm. Take them to a writer's clinic. Yeah. NCF runs them every yeah. month. St. For Michael's free. School. For free. Free. Take them to a clinic and get some free feedback. 
enter them at NIFCA, mm-hmm. enter a selection at NIFCA, or send them off to be published. See if an editor, uh, online journal, um, a hard print journal, will accept three to five of your poems. Yeah. Engage with the feedback. Uh, meet the judges. Go and meet the judges mm-hmm. after NIFCA and hear what they have to say about your poems. Yeah. Use that, and that to is refine. So that refine. is so critical. Yeah. I don't know why we don't want to get critiqued. <laughs> get critiqued. Put on, put on the big girl blouse or the big boy blouse, man. <laughs> Shirt. Grow, grow your shirt and grow your thick skin. Get the feedback and then use that to refine your collection before you take your hard-earned money yes. to publish. Yeah. That's all I would say. Mm. Yeah. What are three books, putting you on the spot, <laughs> what are three books that you would put in our virtual uh, library shelf? It doesn't have to be a female Caribbean author okay. or writer. It could be anything, but something you think that people should take a look at. Take a look at. Oh, God, that's the hardest question <laughs> so far. Uh, beloved mm-hmm. by Toni Morrison. Mm. I will not say that's the the book to... If, if, if you never engaged with Toni Morrison before, it may not be the place to start. Yeah. But... Um, that's the book that is always close to me, mm-hmm. right? I always have that, and I, I use that as part of my inspiration, okay. right? So I grow poems out of that whole beloved experience. Mm-hmm. One, um, Langston Hughes's mm. selected poems, <laughs> right? <laughs> I can relate to much easier than T.S. Eliot's <laughs> selected poems. <laughs> um, actually... Langston Hughes' selected poems accompanied me on a tour across the southern United States back in the 1990s. Mm -hmm. I had basically that, a little bit of money, some change of clothes, and his poems in my backpack. Wow. On a tour that took about six weeks. Yes. Mm -hmm. Amazing. So that's the third one. Mm -hmm. And, sorry, that's the second one. And the third one, where did we go? A children's book. I'm going to reach out and talk about Home Home mm-hmm. by Lisa Allen. Do I have the name right? I'm going to have to check okay. the, the, the title. We'll it's still put it in the show notes. Okay. It's a slim volume and it's about a Trinidadian teenager, mm-hmm. girl, she's 16 years old, mm-hmm. and uh, she ha- she suffers from depression mm-hmm. and anxiety. Mm-hmm. She has just survived a suicide attempt her mother picks her up sends her to the auntie in canada in toronto so she can get better i mention it because um there are so many books for young adults written in the caribbean and not all of them are truly for young adults Mm. i find that's a critique that i have um they're written by adults who are writing the type of books that maybe they wish they'd had when they were younger, yeah. when there were fewer books for, for, Carib- for young Caribbean people. Mm-hmm. Um, but this one is called Home Home. And what is home? Is Trinidad, where her mum is? Mm-hmm. Is that home? Yeah. Or is Canada cold, uh, where her auntie home, is? Is home. that home home? Mm-hmm. That's where she finds solace. Mm-hmm. Um, it, when I'm reading it, I, I can hear this 16-year-old. Mm-hmm. And to me, it's truly a, a young adult novel written for young adults mm. and that's why I would put it in there Beautiful. at this particular point yeah. awesome I really like this interview <laughs> me too <laughs> it was great um, are there any places uh, if people are looking for an editor hint hint mm-hmm. can get in contact with um, Arts Etc aka Linda Dean and Robert Sandiford yes um, you can reach us 
online actually, um, arts etc. Barbados. Dot com, mm-hmm. that is where we live, and and also uh, you you know you can you can you can contact me as well, uh, summer storyteller. I am on Facebook and on Instagram, mm-hmm. although I'm still learning Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> um, but via email, I'm s- still very much old school. Mm-hmm. Um, Dean Linda mm-hmm. at gmail.com. Awesome. And you can shout me and uh, I may take a while to get back to you, uh, but I do get back. I do get back and I, I read everything. Yes. Mm-hmm. So guys, go and check out Linda Dean at the aforementioned um, areas on on and off social media. Mm-hmm. The big one is email. <laughs> but um, it was a pleasure being here with you. I really enjoyed this conversation and I hope the viewers do as well. And they go and check out those books that you recommend as well my bookcase is getting really <laughs> big like these are these are some amazing books i don't know if i can read them all this season but we are definitely going to dive in and hopefully those who are listening will tell me if they enjoy the books when they get around to them as well so thank you so much for being here thank you very much empress thank <laughs> you this is a beautiful beautiful thing that you are doing thank more you. power to you and dj thank you <laughs> Guys, we will see you next week. I'm Empress Zinga, your host once again for the Right Women Podcast. Um, You can contact me as usual in the outro and I will see you guys next week. Bye. Ah, you're still here. Great. Stay tuned for next week's episode with activist, lecturer, researcher, Taitu Hiron from Jamaica. Perception, yes, agreed. But also how we are socialized to treat the other. Mm. And so it goes back to my point of really a certain kind of consciousness in how we parent, you know, how we raise children, yeah. a generation of children that are not going to treat a child who's blind like shit. Mm. Hey, bookworms, what's going on? Thanks for listening to the show. If you want to learn more about the podcast, you can visit empresszinga.com slash the right women podcast. That's Empress Z-I-N-G-H-A to see our growing digital bookshelf and past episodes. You can also drop us a line at the right women podcast at gmail.com. I've been your host and storyteller, Empress Zynga from Barbados, reminding you to always believe in your magic. See you next chapter. <laughs>